0: KRCL, Salt Lake City. Utah Dine Bikea works to protect and preserve cultural uses of public lands by tribes. To learn more about their programs, including art, traditional foodways, and cultural sensitivity courses, visit UtahDineBikkea.org. That's Utah, D I N E B I K E Y A H.org. Support for radioactive
1: on KRCL comes from our sustaining members and Mark Miller Subaru. I'm Rashawn Leak, and this is Radioactive, a show for grassroots activists, community builders, punk rock farmers, and DIY creatives. Thanks for plugging in with us on this Tuesday night, y'all. So we got a Roundtable Tuesday edition of the show. We got our peoples, bold, black, and brilliant, and we have our. We got a program coming up. If you heard earlier, it's next Wednesday, and it's the Black Food Edition. We got some movie clips and we also have Russell Roots from the Utah Film Center. We have a clip later on of Utah poet, Michael McClain, who is currently a PhD candidate in creative writing at the International Institute of Modern Letters at Victoria University in Wellington, New Zealand. And with rallies and resources, we got our own, our own Friday night fallout, Keith McDonald. And we're gonna be talking about Keith. You know, if, if y'all listen to the show, if you, and especially if you listen to Friday, you know every year Keith's got a Keith's he's got a he's got a do gooder do gooder vibe, and he's taking care of our, our peoples. And so we're gonna we got him on the show to talk about it.
0: Yeah, got a couple things coming up for Sean. Always happy to join you on Roundtable Tuesday.
1: Absolutely.
0: So rallies and resources, some things we think radioactive listeners will be interested in, may wish to attend, support, or otherwise consider adding to their lives. So if you go to KRCL.org and click on Community Affairs, you'll find this list. We also put things in the show notes, so check both those spots at KRCL.org. On Saturday, Rashawn, and more of our Shop Local spotlight, Holiday Market, highlighting BIPOC and women-owned businesses. It's Strength in Shades, at public roasting company on West Temple. Something to check out as you're doing your holiday shopping. You can stock up on Christmas gifts made by BIPOC-owned and women-owned local businesses. They've got some live music happening kids and will all sorts kids of stuff. are invited
1: and encouraged y'all yeah. face face painting when well, we got mm-hmm. a live DJ uh, maybe on the wheels of steel we don't know but uh, <laughs> 11 to one and door prizes for the first 25 people cool uh, yeah I, I'm all already right. knowing I'm not gonna be a part of that the leaks <laughs> don't pride themselves on uh, on time as I like <laughs> to jo- joke with Joe time is a construct
0: is that what you say? Does
1: I say that just gives me a grace that's to the be late? Philosophy. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. Hey, coming up tomorrow, the Sundance Film Festival 2023 is making some big announcements about mm-hmm. the program. So be sure to listen for, for that word coming down tomorrow around 11 a.m. Mountain. But they also sent over word that they're looking for volunteers. There's, that's a great way to get into Absolutely. the festival is by volunteering your time. And the deadline, the application is open. Mm -hmm. Deadline is January 11th. So you got some time, but they're looking for volunteers to assist with online roles, in-person roles, and hopefully an hourly commitment, uh, a weekly commitment, I think, is what they mean of 32 hours or more. So you can choose to volunteer in Salt Lake City, Park City, or the Sundance Resort near Provo. There's different departments. So ushering in a theater, helping with ticketing. Helping people get around the festival, and that might even be some dignitaries. Uh Oh, okay, rubbing rubbing elbows with some
1: some well-to-dos, if you will.
0: Uh, Or you can be part of a theater crew and help patrons at an info booth, support with transport, or the online platform. Lots of different things to do. We'll put a link in tonight's show notes, but also you can check rallies and resources, and uh, that's kind of a timeline, so search by. January 11th for more details and then don't forget program announcement tomorrow. All right, let's save the best for last. Keith McDonald, Friday Night Fallout, how you doing?
2: I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It's
1: y'all. It, I'm, I'm gonna just call it. It's, it's good to hear your voice, brother. It's good to have you back. It's it's all gravy. I was I'm a. I don't know about all the other listeners, but I was missing that Keith McDonald on the radio, and it's good to have you back.
2: Um, it's it's good to be back. Last Friday was a a, a show, man. We had all of our uh, University of Utah football fans. You and, were playing you know, some. he, he was going, drum yeah, going, yeah, man. So I, I've got a lot of friends from California. I received a lot of flack after that you game because they breaking hearts, yeah. y'all. Let's and, go. And you know, I you know, hip hop. We love an underdog yeah, story. Utah is the perennial underdog, and we finally—I mean, you know—it was a great cathartic it, relief it for us winning the big game. And I don't know—I'm—I'm I'm not a football fanatic, uh-huh. but it's more of a social thing when you go to the U. You know, yep. when you when you when you're a banker, you golf, which you, you might not like golf, but <laughs> you're gonna you go, get yeah. on the golf course because that's where you socialize, that's at. and right. that's what we socialize behind the team. So. Much love to all of my, 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 my fellow students in the, in the football team and, and the whole community.
0: You're up there in a creative writing program?
2: I'm in, am in the writing and rhetoric writing and program. Rhetoric. Hey, um, right. I'm a discourse disciple of a professor named uh, Jenny Andrus. And um, after this show, I'm guilty. I feel guilty even being here. After this show, I'm going to put my hours in. So, uh, you know, um, the, but, uh, you know, the community work doesn't stop. It's, it's yeah. a yearly mm-hmm. thing. And... Um, more than like, a more than something I do, it's a habit, you yeah. know, it's, it's something that I, I it's, it's, it's a reflex, you Absolutely. know, every year, if I don't start planning it, somebody says, Hey Keith, what are you doing this year? And then I'm like, ah, oh, I yeah. just get roped into uh-huh. it, and, but I love it.
0: I think that's the first thing I remember about meeting you, uh, through KRCL was, the drive you did for kids and skateboards and cool stuff for school. And so you do mm-hmm. quite a few things like this. But this one's the Christmas drive. Yes. Tell us what the details are. Let's get the word out.
2: So one of my, my biggest community partners, Up Rock, um, has been uh, donating their space to me and my community service events for, yeesh, man, I feel old. About eight eight years now? Shout out lo- to
1: local
3: business, UpRock. Shout, shout
2: out to UpRock, man. Shop local. Shop local, especially during the holidays. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let me let me continue. Um, so uh, they they, they approached me, and uh, you know we've been doing things like uh, back to school drives, um, technology drives, paint. Um, you know, uh, helping uh, young people learn how to paint. Um, so this year we're doing uh, Christmas drive for the Road Home, and. What we learned was that the Road Home already has an abundance of gifts, and they okay. need necessities. So we have a, a list of necessities that you can donate. Drop off here at the station, up rock, or at um, a location downtown so that we can get these necessities to the people that, that, that re- could really use them.
0: So what are those necessities? Can you give us some ideas? So as we're out and about, maybe, you know, doing our grocery shopping, we can throw something in the basket.
2: Yeah, while you're at Target, man, you could pick up some towels, hygiene items, baby wipes, bottles, uh, adult underwear, Mm -hmm. uh, detergent, twin size sheets, kitchen and bathroom basics. And surprisingly, the number one needed item is can openers. Oh, I didn't even think that. So canned goods are really um, essential to the the day-to-day lives of people at the shelter and they share a can opener, which goes through a lot of uh, use and they break a lot. So Mm -hmm. if you have the heart, if you have the time, if you have the ability, Please pick up some of these items, drop them off to Uprock, drop them off here to the station, or you can contact me at K-R-C-L-Keith. That's K-E-I-T-H, not I E, at gmail.com, and I could come and pick them up what? from you. Personal nice. That's service. what I'm talking
1: about. So is there a deadline that you're trying to hit it everything by?
2: Yeah, so the deadline is the 22nd. We will be, we have a time slot to bring the items up to uh the shelter on the 23rd so we're asking everybody to get their donations in by the 22nd
0: all the donations are going to go to the road home family shelter i understand yes so what are you hearing from folks in the community just out and about
2: yeah it's it's tough um you know uh operation rio Grande happened like Mm -hmm. right before covid and a lot of things shifted a lot of uh, insecurity uh downtown and still Um, you know with the election coming up and with uh, things still not being uh, a plan that that has that has the people kind of confident in the future has not yet arisen so um, people like me who are not into the red tape you know uh, we just we just keep pushing and trying to help the people the best we can and and that's where I'm at right now
0: and you ride around town on your bike a lot so you see at street level folks in need
2: yeah um and it's it's definitely a nuanced conversation it's not something that can happen in a in a short short time frame you have to maybe have have months and months of town hall meetings behind this which 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 we have but again um for those of us who are into the community and who aren't necessarily inclined to take part in the big political machine of things we have ways to uh to express to people that we care, to to tell people that this is an issue that needs, needs uh, you know, attention and to let people who are in need know that we think about them. So if you are somebody like me who's a transplant, who's away from your family this year, I found that this is a great way to center yourself, a great way to uh, put life and put your events in perspective because, um, you know, um, looking back on my life, man, a couple of uh, wrong turns that mm. I could have been needing help this Truth. this uh, this holiday season. I'm blessed to be able to help others, and that's what I want to do, and that's the example I want to put out there for the hip hop community because um, hip hop and rap are different. Hip hop is the voice of the unheard, of the under-resourced. Rap music is the 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 the. Uh, is, is, is maybe something that's more a little more opulent and corporate controlled. So, yep. hip hop community, come out, support us, let the people know what we're about, and you know, uh, do something good this 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 holiday season. It, it'll look good on you.
0: So, again, the items, the deadline, the locations for drop off.
2: Excellent. So, um, we don't have a snazzy name. It's the Christmas Drive, sponsored by Uprock, K R C L Art Space, and of course the Road Home. If you'd like to donate, we're accepting donations at. Uh, at here at the station um, at Uprock which is 1594 South State Street and then at Art space Bridge project, 511 West 200 south downtown it's right across the street from the old Greek town uh, track stop and again, you can donate tiles, hygiene items, baby wipes, bottles, adult underwear, detergent, twin size bed sheets, kitchen and bathroom basics and of course the number one item can openers so uh please join us we'd love to have your help and thank you for listening
1: i love it and i I, you know what i'm no steve harvey but i'm gonna say number two on that list is socks y'all yes socks is always well welcomed. yes
2: socks and one thing I, i i learned by just asking people was uh Shoe covers. Mm. So keeping your feet dry is paramount in the winter. So if you go to Amazon, you can get a pack of shoe covers for relatively cheap and it will help a a group of people immeasurably this uh, season. Uh, So shoe covers. Put them on top. They're like, I'm I'm dating myself here. They're like galoshes. I knew knew
1: that's where you were going. I knew that's where you were going.
2: You didn't say
0: spats, so you're (laughs) okay. Yeah, yeah.
2: But, man, I was a Scrooge McDuck fan, so you know I know what spats are. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
0: All right. Well, before we let you go, Keith McDonald, Friday Night Fallout, I know you have a best of show you're working on.
2: (sighs) Yeah. Hit uh, us with it. I'm, I'm I'm gonna see the medal of our our newly uh, minted director okay. who is gonna work with me on the show. It's gonna air on December thirtieth. It's gonna be our best of twenty twenty two show, and. Um, I'm I'm letting Gavin take the wheel a little okay, bit on this, Gavin. Um, and we're gonna see, we're gonna we're gonna see, we're gonna hear what his his uh hip hop chops. Are oh something. yeah, he's got I okay.
1: I got faith in Gavin. I, I, think, got he's got, in I think he's gonna
2: get some he's, fire. He's he's dropped some some hints. Yes, that he's he gonna, has. He's, <laughs> yes, he <laughs> <he's gonna laughs> Do a good job.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming in, and folks, we'll put in the show notes tonight as well as on the rallies and resource page all the info. For the Christmas drive that uh, Keith is spearheading in the community, and in particularly inviting the hip hop community to join you in this.
2: Excellent. Yes. Yes, indeed.
0: Well, thanks so much. Appreciate you always stopping a pleasure by. having you, it's good brother. To see you. Thank you. Thank you. When we come back, we're gonna get into black, bold, and brilliant.
2: Yes. Okay. Yes. I got
0: a little Raphael Sadiq for you, okay. leopard skin pill bo- pillbox hat. His version here yeah. on CareCL
4: Radioactive Roundtable Tuesday. Support for Radioactive on KRCL comes from Mark Miller Subaru and the Subaru Share the Love event, a partnership with local charities in delivering hope this holiday season. Learn more and info on how to get involved at markmillersubaru.com.
0: And you're listening to Radioactive Roundtable Tuesday. I'm Laura Jones. And coming up at 7, Democracy Now! with Amy Goodman and crew, followed by Connor and the Late Light Lowdown at 8, Super Sounds with Chovy at 1030, John Florence starting a brand new day. At six a.m., Rashawn Leak, our volunteer host on Tuesdays. Time for a preview of the next edition of Black, Bold, and Brilliant. Let's remind folks what this program's about. So, I mean, honestly,
1: when when I think of Black, Bold, and Brilliant, it's it's really an opportunity for for us to allow Utahns to pull the shade back and get a glimpse into some some cultures that they might not be privy to. You know, I mean, we've we've heard us talk about you know, in in Utah, us being and. I'm I'm being liberal here, Laura, and yeah. so I'll say three percent. But I know <laughs> I know I'm rounding up, y'all. <laughs> You're <rounded laughs> up. Okay. Uh, uh, Two point eight, Russ. Two point eight. But I'm rounding up. I'm carrying <laughs> ones. I'm doing everything we can. But but this this uh we wanted to close the year off really just talking about like you know uh, tradition you know traditions when it comes to food you know especially. Everybody, everybody's got to eat. What do they? say? Everybody eats and they come to my house. Cap Calloway. That's right. So, you know, but it's it's really something that I think for, you know, I, I I always like to say that, you know, as black folk, we're not a monolith. But I think there's a lot of shared traditions when it comes to uh, food and holidays. And Christmas, I would argue, is one of the bigger ones since a lot of, you know, a lot of black folk grew up in a church. So it, it was really an opportunity to just share space and, and break bread, if you will.
0: Let's introduce our panelists on the show tonight.
1: So, not not the panelists, but we got oh, our panelists. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was like, we don't got nobody. <laughs> yeah, but we got Russ Russ Roots and we got we got Asia Washington. What up, y'all?
5: Hello, Salt Lake.
0: Hey. Asia's joining us via Zoom, so please forgive any delay we have. But I'm I'm just curious where you're gonna dig in. I got a couple clips. You let me know when you're ready for those, and we'll let them rip.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, if, unless you you two want to introduce, you know, it's been a it's been a minute since we had you on, so give a give a little bit of your origin story, if you will.
5: Oh, all right then. Well, uh, you know, I'm with the Utah Film Center, director of film exhibition. This is Russell Roots. You know, I've been here in Utah a little over five years now, going on five and a half years, and it's always just been a constant exploration of what's going on in this city, trying to get myself familiar. So, you know. I've really noticed the, the kind of explosion, you know, particularly recently getting the extra attention black food establishments have gotten since the summer of 2020. So that in combination with um, Netflix's show High on the Hog kind of really put us on to this topic and uh, we're looking forward to having the conversation.
1: What about you, AJ? You want to give folks a little glimpse into who you are?
6: Yeah, Asia, Washington. Um, I've lived here, ooh, it's been like four a little over four years now, um, by way of Los Angeles. So the the culture shock here was was a Real. lot. <laughs> I was used to a lot more food options back in LA. And so really searching for those comfort foods here was has been a challenge. But I think like Russ said, there's been um I think an uptick of a lot of people um, making more traditional foods here, which I'm glad to see. It's sorely needed, and uh, I, I really love this topic because, like, I grew up on watching Soul Food. Although Russ has not seen it, <coughs> oh.
1: blasphemy, Asia. Don't that's that on, bla- the that's,
6: that's
5: blasphemy. Don't that on the radio. That's blasphemy on the radio,
1: Y'all, y'all can't see. Russ might be brown, but I can see that. I can see him blushing right now, y'all. <laughs> Dear, don't, like don't do that. that
6: me of my family like i think a lot of black families have like a big mama in their family yeah, we and do. So i think like you said there is a lot of shared tradition there so yeah this is really exciting to be able to put together
0: you want to play the soul food clip yeah we okay. can go we, ahead we can okay, go you gotta first. explain go the movie to folks who haven't seen it it did come out in 1997
1: that's a beautiful year beautiful year <laughs> so uh it's it's basically talks about you know there's a I, I want to say three th- three generations of of folk growing up around around uh the matriarch of the of the family Big Mama and really uh, you know I, I guess at this point it's about twenty six years old so spoiler alerts yeah. to be damned but you know it, it really talks about like when you know her her being the glue if you will. That holds the family together, and how what happens when she passes away, and so I, I know for me personally, it's really very close to like what I grew up with, with with my with my great grandmother being the glue, and 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 similar. Not you know, I'm not saying that our stories are very close, but it's it's something that happened to us as well, and so I've always carried this story close because we see what happens when matriarchs or patriarchs of families pass away, and kind of that sometimes if you don't have a strong group that's together, the tradition kind of fades away.
0: Now, this clip, something goes awry at family dinner, and it starts with a bit of an explosion. hmm Yeah. But everyone's okay, and it's what comes after that we wanted to get at. Here we go from Soul Food, 1997. Ah! On your face, he you didn't mean nothing. <coughs>
6: this
3: is
4: uh, my surprise,
3: everybody. Uncle Pete, Uncle Pete, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm
4: sorry, man. Look at this. Look, look, look. Oh, look at all this money. <laughs> Big Mama really did have a pile of money hidden away, and she had a stash in the last place we all think to look. Uncle Pete's TV. Now I understand what soul food was all about. See, during slavery, us black folks didn't have a whole lot to celebrate. So cooking became the way we expressed our love for one another. And that's what those Sunday dinners meant to us. More than just eating, it was a time for sharing our joys and sorrows. Something the old folks say is missing in today's families. Things got better for my family after that. And even though Maz and Aunt Terry broke up, it doesn't stop Miles from coming around every now and then and fill his belly with mama's soul food. Lemmy and brother doing good too. They got their own place and they're expecting that baby any day now. My mama and Ontario are cool again, at least for the time being. And Faith is finally a part of the family too. And as you can see, we didn't sell a big house. No way, no how. And even though we all miss Big Mama's cooking, laughter and love. None of us feel like life cheated or none. See, she accomplished everything she set out to do: to build a strong family with a rich tradition, and to leave love in the footprints. Thanks, Big Mama.
1: Uh. So food. Uh. <clears throat> there uh. There it Hold is. it is. Hold on, let me. Let me. Can you can you pass me a, a tissue? I'm not <laughs> crying. You're crying. <laughs> Who's cutting onions in here? <laughs>
0: So you're going to use clips uh, next week mm-hmm. like this mm-hmm. from film yeah. to have this conversation. Hey Asia, what that bring up for you when you le- heard that clip from Soul Food?
6: Oh, man. I mean, I again, I have I had a big mama, my great-grandmother, um, and we come from Texas and so like big mama's house was our gathering place for for my mom's side of the family and so like that's very That's a shared experience I have with kind of like what was represented in the film. And I I just feel like this film has so much stuff. Like, you know, the little boy, Ahmad, is trying so hard to like keep the family together, but he's just a child. And it's like, you know, seeing what he went through to try to bring the family together and the adults not getting along, it's just like very real and relatable in a lot of ways. Um, And I hope. You know, everyone who comes to the event can, even if it's not their experience, can get a glimpse into, like, what our families are like around this time of year.
0: What about you, uh, yes. Besides the tissue? Yeah.
1: <laughs> it, I mean, similar. You know, I, for us, it used to always be that, you know, you didn't want to be the last person to the to my great grandmother's house and, and so everybody would be rushing and, and we, we lived the furthest so it was always fun and, and if you heard me earlier, you know I don't I believe time's a construct, so you know I always struggled. <laughs> if I struggled now, y'all know it was even worse when I was a child. You know, and I and I just one of the, the last things I, I fortunately you know, I, I wasn't feeling well our last Christmas before my great grandmother passed away. And so I just wound up just hanging out at the house, and it was one of those. I come from a fairly, fairly big family on my mom's side, and it was one of those opportunities that I, I got to have like alone time with my great grandmother, which is very rare. When it's you know it, just in my family, there's six of us, but we have a there's a lot, you know. So you're talking about close to you know 20 plus you know grandkids, and so it was one of those situations where it's like, well, I'm just hanging out with my great grandmother by myself, and we you know that's a memory I really. I'm really glad I got the hold on to because, you know, it's she passed away. That February, you know, right after Christmas, so it was one of those things that I really hold on to. So it's just, it just, it's just comforting, you know. It's one of those things not, and now, grant, I know the movie is, you know, ninety seven. I know, I know it's kind of corny, but it, you know, but it's like, you don't, was it you Vanessa don't know, Williams? yeah. Was uh, Vanessa Williams is in it, Holla, you know, Mackay old, Pfeiffer, yeah, Mackay Pfeiffer, you know, we got some, we got some old school, some old school black, black excellence, Vivica if you will. A. Fox, Nia yeah, Long. Nia Long. Mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Long, go ahead.
5: Produced by Babyface. Okay. See, I and really? Babyface, you, yep. you know he got his yep. hands in everything, what? y'all.
0: <laughs> what about you, Russell, and your holiday traditions and your family growing up?
5: I mean, my folks are from Philadelphia, but they moved down to Texas when I was a kid, so they didn't spend a lot of time back in Philly. Um, but we had traditions. My dad was a big fan of Chinese food, so we did the whole Chinese food thing. Okay. East Coast doing that. But, you know, I heard the stories and, like, the stories I heard from my dad, particularly, like, his mom was the big mama on the block up in Philly. Mm -hmm. And um, just the stories I heard were really great. But, I mean, I didn't personally have a lot of that because it's just the four of us, my dad, my brother, and I, my mother. So it was – we were – Pretty small, doing our own thing. Mostly a lot of Chinese food, which I still love to this day, oh, yeah. so get at me with yeah. Chinese. Oh,
1: yeah. East Coast Chinese. Let's exactly. be specific. What? There's a difference? There, yeah. oh, oh, yes. there is oh, yes. a big difference.
5: My dad used to drive 20 minutes to go get hoagies and East Coast Chinese. Oh,
1: uh, uh, hoagies. See,
0: okay, just if not not don't just know. It's not just Mandarin. It's actually East oh, Coast, West East Coast, Coast Chinese. Oh, East Coast, yeah. And yeah. if
1: you don't know, see, hoagies <laughs> is very specific to hoagies. South that's South because up north I'm from so he's from uh Philly I'm from Jersey and up north we call their subs and there's a big difference you get a and there's a lot of that going on across so it's fun
0: oh man okay so what are the what are the traditions that you embrace now as as adults yourself and creating this connection with your family or your friends your family of of choice Russell
5: oh man like that's um Big kind of like orphan Christmases and orphan Thanksgivings, you know, this the the Island of Misfit Toys, like just getting everybody together for these big events and just everybody cooking. I'm like, I haven't really found that scene so much here in Salt Lake, but back when I was in Austin, boy, they used to roll. Yeah. And with Austin, it was like, you know, we have these dinners where it's like 30, 40, 50 people, mm. kids, dogs, everybody cooking. And it was great because, I mean, in Texas, you had all that Southern food. Here in Utah, I just usually snowboard on the holidays, so I just kind of take it easy. <laughs>
1: Yeah. yeah. For us, we, you know, we go over, obviously I'm, I'm from the East, but we go to my wife's family's house, you know, and, and the thing that's crazy is my, my oldest, Elijah, he's, his birthday is Christmas. Oh. So he, I mean, that's obviously one of the best Christmas presents ever, but it's so, but we, I've always, and I say I, but it's we, we've always made sure that he doesn't feel slated because I have a lot of friends and family that are, you know, what their birthdays are really close to the holidays. And so they always felt like, oh, we don't, we don't get it right. You know, we got, you know, uh, we don't have enough presents and things like that. And I know that's very commercial, Mm -hmm. but, but, but what we do now is we make sure that we, you know, celebrate, celebrate Christmas and then we clean everything up as best we can. And then we, and then we bring out the birthday stuff. So we have, and we specifically will go wrap, wrap his presents in, you know, holiday wrapping. And then his birthday presents, we wrap in birthday wrapping. So there is a big, so he knows this is for a birthday. That's for christmas because i don't you know i don't he's not gonna have a party because you know i can't be inviting people you know hey don't spend time with your family come over to my son's house for for his birthday party so you know Mm -hmm. we wanted to make sure but but we do we do a lot of family things you know
0: asia
6: yeah i think in in recent years it's been a lot more low-key um i think because i just personally have kind of moved away from the anxiety I get from like rushing to get presents and all that stuff. (laughs) I try to like get gifts that I think are meaningful or useful. And I only want gifts that I find like meaningful and useful. So it's usually like low key and it's, it's been more about spending quality time with folks for sure than anything else. And, um, I think reconnecting to, to family that's, you know, we're kind of spread out now. Um, in different states but reconnecting to them as much as possible is kind of my focus during the holidays most of the time
5: i know one thing that i do do every year and i i haven't even thought about it till this moment was like i listen to nat king cole's christmas albums okay um, yeah. my dad used to play those nat king cole albums all the time
0: very cool i wanted to get to another clip while we're talking about the black food edition of black bold and brilliant and Russell, I think you're gonna set this one up for us.
5: Yeah, it's a clip from a culinary historian, Michael Twitty. He's also in uh, High on the Hog, the Netflix show, and he's gonna walk us through a little clip about just kind of how the black community thinks about food.
6: Culinary historian Michael Twitty has made a name for himself, touring the country to lecture about Southern food traditions. His new book, The Cooking Gene, is out today. It explores the history of cuisine in the American South by focusing on the people who laid the foundation for it enslaved Africans. Twitty is currently on a teaching residency in Colonial Williamsburg, Virginia. Dexter Thomas joined him there
1: for a meal. Hey, ladies.
2: Hey, gentlemen. What's going on? Yeah, shut up. Or you will be breakfast.
5: Black folks weren't allowed to have hogs, weren't allowed to have cattle. But chickens, guinea fowl, which come from Africa, those were under the control of enslaved Africans. These chickens represent more than just the stereotype of Black folks and fried chicken. It represent empowerment.
2: Tweedy doesn't just write about history. He relives it by cooking the food that the slaves cooked. For his year-long residency in Colonial Williamsburg, Tweedy teaches guests the food traditions of his enslaved ancestors. He starts most days in the garden.
1: Oh, good stuff, boy.
2: There you go. Can't have pepper pot without a hot pepper, huh? Yes, sir. A little rosemary and we gone. You're a historian. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways you could study history. Right. Why food?
5: Uh, people associate food with identity. Food is the way of, of all human beings on Earth say, we eat this, this is us. They eat that, and that is not us. Everybody has these deep connections to gastronomy in their personal, familial lives. You know our story is told through our plates
0: and that's a clip from the man who relived slave history through food from vice uh, news from 2017 i'll put a link in the show notes for folks that want to check out that or or soul food yes, from 1997. yeah don't, don't
2: be slain, soul, yeah.
1: soul food Laura. but in terms
0: of the black food edition do, do the three of you think of your your family's history with food and gatherings through that historical lens at all russell
5: Oh, absolutely! <clears throat> I mean, a lot of this this culture and this history is just told through the single item of collard greens, I knew, and oh, yes. and the way greens just go through. I mean, it was a it was a hearty green that, uh, if I remember correctly, came, you know, came from Africa with the slaves and then did well in the in the, the tropical South and just kind of was one of those things they were able to continue the tradition with. But I mean, it is a food that has lasted to this day. Asia.
6: Oh yeah, definitely. There's I I. Have been able to hear a lot of stories, at least from my mom, about like Big Mama cooking and having like a hog head in the fridge, and it's just like wild mm-hmm. to me because I didn't grow up like that personally. But I'm like, we used to really cook food, and like we would not waste any parts of the animal. Mm-hmm. Even back to when you know folks were enslaved, and um, it kind of reminds me of the conversation we were having. Um, for the the land back conversation kind of like mm-hmm. getting back to our, our traditional ways and like kind of like not wasting food and all that stuff is is a big part of our culture i mean the running joke is kind of like black folks say oh they're starving kids in africa somewhere like don't <laughs> waste your food mm-hmm. but like in reality it was like really like don't waste this food that you know we don't have all this money to like waste all this food and stuff like was a real thing um and so that that's kind of like a tradition that I feel like um, still continues to this day. And yeah, I feel like there's a lot of stories that I've, I've heard about my family cooking that I really enjoy.
0: Anyone you want to share? I, I think
6: primarily like the, the hog head.
4: <laughs> that story. is um, vivid.
6: <laughs> my mom was just talking to my aunt, her sister, about like how to clean chitlins properly. And I was like, wow, I just. Mm-hmm. it's a real skill to like be yeah. able to do this stuff and you don't realize it um and and like I think to other people maybe the the idea of chitlins which is intestines <laughs> and stuff like that is gross but really like we we literally made lemonade out of lemons <laughs> given to us um with the very little we had. we just it, we're very innovative and we're able to do all this stuff and I really appreciate that, that about about my family and just our ancestors in general that were able to like survive in this way
4: for Sean.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I, I, I laugh because it's, I, I never really liked chitlins, but my family, you know, while we grew up in Jersey, we stem from down South in North Carolina. And so I'm very familiar. Like my uncles, they just nasty. They, you know, eating pig's feet and things like that. And that's mm-hmm. just, you know, but, but what I really always think about is, you know, like the the negative connotations and i I go back to dave chappelle Mm -hmm. and i just think like where are all these people who don't like chicken and watermelon because it's one of those things that it's it's not a black thing it's a american thing and it's very something that a lot of us i would argue grew up on and so it's interesting that it's it's got this negative connotation that's been attached to it when an it's normally a lot of people across the you know i'd say across the country grew up eating uh foods that you know that have been cooked or been you know you'll find traditionally on a black table during some of these holidays
0: we're talking black bold and brilliant the black food edition which is coming up next wednesday the 14th 7 p.m in person at the downtown salt lake city public library no ticket necessary they are looking for an RSVP so they can uh, make some plans. So I'll put it in the show notes for you folks to, to sign up. But I, my last question for everybody is about the black food scene here in Utah in terms of food entrepreneurs and such. Mm-hmm. And I understand you have a couple of panelists that you're hoping to have, Russell.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got a couple of panelists. Um, we're speaking with... Um Abu from Cafe Mamai, and then we're also speaking with uh, local chef Dara Young. So we've got a couple of folks we have in mind, but we're really just looking forward to um, having everybody out to to join us in our round table conversation.
0: Is there any dish that you wanna single out uh, that's a favorite for you this time of year that has a cultural heritage that uh, is not just, you know, ham and potatoes?
1: I, I don't know if it's necessarily a cultural heritage but I'll just say if if you're not if you're not coming correct with your mac and cheese, you know, and it, it's you know it's not baked with the you know you got some brown spots on the cheese right there because it's a little burnt. Don't even you know don't even come to the party. Like let's just be honest. But you know that's that's one of my favorites. That's always you know if I if I nail the the mac and cheese, you better believe I'm on the horn with my mom like ma. Two pans of mac and cheese gone. But, you know, (laughs) just let her know that, you know, her son is still carrying to tradition 3,000 miles away.
0: Asia?
6: Just like what comes to mind for me is like fried catfish. I love fried catfish. Mm -hmm. I got to shout out the big South food truck out here because I had their fried catfish and they had greens and everything. Catfish was crispy, it was not soft. Foggy. It was uh, seasoned well. I just
5: nice. Uh, That's a that right real up. temperature. Yes. <laughs> Russell candied yams. Oh
3: yes. Yeah. We have yeah. a yes. we have
0: a family competition every uh-huh. cuz my dad was from the south. Mm-hmm. So I oh. had to compare recipes. What's your go-to ingredients? Is it simple or is there maple syrup in there what?
5: I'll just eat any of them. Oh, I, don't, just, don't, I don't brown don't make sugar. Them, I just eat them. It. Oh, brown sugar, eat them. brown
0: sugar? Dark brown sugar. Dark. Right? Oh yes. yeah, dark brown yes. sugar. Butter.
1: Maple I, maple I go syrup. maple syrup.
0: You put any cinnamon or I Coke? do
1: I do cinnamon and and then I'll I'll uh I'll hit it with a little bit of marshmallows on top. Gotta have the marshmallows. Yeah, to let it, and then put it in the oven and let it melt in there.
0: I'm, I don't know, we feel very strongly about marshmallows in our family. Asia, you?
6: I definitely put marshmallows on.
1: The good, and the good. The beauty of marshmallows. Just for all y'all listeners, the beauty of marshmallows is that even if you get it wrong, you can just peel the marshmallow off <laughs> and, go, and, and hit it again. Just like but if you it left because is- you know marshmallows is like you gotta. You, if you don't get it right, you burn it all the marshmallows. <laughs>
0: well, and if there's folks that don't want it, you're right. Yeah, it you can just peel it
1: off. Well. Yeah, that's the okay. beauty.
0: Well, black, bold, and brilliant—the black food edition next Wednesday, December fourteenth, seven p.m. Check tonight's show notes for details about all that at the city library, but you're going again next year.
5: Yep. Yep. We'll be going again next year. We'll start again on uh, February 1st, actually for black history month.
0: Well, I thought we'd go out with little Prince It seemed appropriate to do starfish and coffee at the very mm. least. Right. Asia, Sean and Russell. Thank you so much. We'll see ya.
1: Thank you. Bye. Take care y'all. KRCL's Music Meets Movies takes a turn towards the holidays with a documentary film that dives into the underground world of alternative Christmas music. There is a underground of tape traders and CD traders across the country who do this, try to make cool Christmas discs every year.
5: The worst music in the world is bad Christmas music.
2: I found the typical Christmas music grill. So I thought I'd start making a soundtrack to get myself through the holidays. Merry Christmas! Talk about what happens in Hollis, Christmas in Hollis. I call Bill back, sweating. Just wrote the best rhyme of my life. Christmas, you can love it or hate it, but you can't really ignore it. The
1: music and the memories pierces that pathway.
0: Of course, it's powerful.
4: Join KRCL Thursday, December 8th at Brewies in Salt Lake for a screening of the 2013 documentary
5: Jingle Bell Rocks. Tickets at the door at 6.30, movie at 7.30.
0: Information at krcl.org. Hope to see you there tomorrow night at Brewies. You going? I, oh, I'm going. I, okay.
1: Yeah, that's a, uh, it's a, uh, was it tomorrow or Thursday?
0: Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm already a day ahead. It's Thursday, you're right. It's Thank you. <laughs> I like that one. That, I, I.
1: I got a, it's an interesting history with Christmas music. Haven't anybody that works in retail, they know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, folks, check krcl.org for some details. To close out the show tonight, Rashawn, a conversation I recorded just yesterday with Utah poet Michael McClain. He's up from New Zealand for a holiday visit, and he's also doing poetry reading with Tim Erickson at the city library. Tomorrow night, the 7th, uh, with uh, City Arts. So check the show notes for details. Here's our conversation.
3: I'm Michael McLean. Um, I'm a a poet and writer and editor, um, born and bred in Salt Lake City, Utah. Um, Now living in uh, Featherston, New Zealand, which is uh, about an hour away from Wellington, out in kind of uh, the rural Wairarapa.
0: It's been three years Uh, since you went over to New Zealand to uh, pursue your PhD. And I, right. I thought we'd see you before then. So <laughs> briefly catch us up because I understand you now have a hospital, a hospo
3: business. That's true. Yeah. Um, that was unexpected. That wasn't, um, in, intended to be part of this this uh, adventure, but so
0: you've fallen in love with the country. It sounds like
3: we did, yeah. Um, we we started out in Wellington, um, which is a fantastic city, one of one of the really great cities in the world. But we it's also one of the very expensive cities in the world. So um, uh, I, I have an older brother who lives in Featherston already, um, and so between wanting to to get to somewhere a little bit more affordable and and being near the family that we do have there, we decided to head out to Featherston. Um, which you know the there wasn't a lot of culture shock in going to Wellington. It was yeah, you know, it, it's a city. It's going from one city to another city. Um, there was some some things we had to learn, but going from the city to a town of about two thousand people, that was a much bigger culture shock. That that's that's been something entirely different. So and then uh, the the restaurant is actually in the next town over in Martinborough, which is uh, if I had to compare it to somewhere, it's kind of like Sonoma Township about. 50 years ago. So you went
0: into the restaurant business. Yes. Yeah. What are you cooking up over there? I'm resisting the urge to say down under because that's another country just to the
3: left or right. Um, It's kind of an an eclectic menu. It's um, my wife is the chef. um, So um, there's, we get classified over there as kind of European, but it's a lot of Mediterranean um, dishes and, and I'm kind of front of house and the bartender and handling all the cocktails. And we have by far the, um, the best uh, craft beer list in, in that part of the country. So, Wow.
0: That's such a, that's such a, I don't know, right turn, left turn, up turn, down turn from, <laughs> from going over there to pursue your Ph.D. in writing and poetry. Yeah. Yeah. And the that's, result is in your hands.
3: Uh, no, well, this, was, this actually started before that. Um, I haven't quite finished the program yet. I've got about seven, eight months to go. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just figured I'd up the ante on the, the stress level a bit and just you know Put another take book on a of business poetry? in the middle of the in PhD the business. Program. There you go. Yeah. <laughs>
0: so, well, I was hoping we could share a couple of pieces while you're here. So tell us about Fume.
3: So Fume is a project that started a, a long, long time ago. Um, it, it deals with the town of Centralia, Pennsylvania, um, which uh, is uh, basically – it's an anthracite coal country. Um, so lots of coal mines around and, um, the, the landfill out there in the town, they they started a fire in the landfill to burn off some of the the waste there, which started one of the coal seams on fire. And this is back in the late fifties. And, um, basically the town's been on fire ever since. And it is, um, the last people, there's been a number of kind of forcible evacuations by the state and federal government. And the last people to leave were about two years, two or three years ago now, I think, and it's now private property. It's owned by a, a company um, that is, I, I believe, it's a mining company. But basically, they've they've torn down all the homes. They have backfilled the the graffiti highway, which is what the area was best known for. It was the old highway into town that was absolutely covered from one end to the other in, in graffiti. From um, residents, from people visiting. Um, so a lot of the traces that were there uh, um, have been covered over, but um, the fire has not. The fire is still going.
0: Well, let's hear something from Fume. Sure. Michael McLean.
3: Anthracite. Pliny's rock was red, bloodstone, precious in an altogether different manner, though he understood its cost. Called it anthracites. The Greeks left the spade stuck squarely in the harshness of it, Anthracites. Something aspiring to coal. Though in truth, it was well beyond what they'd burned before. It was living, approaching pure carbon, a dark that betrayed the fear of every miner who found it. Ribbons lighting the ground in lustered veins, torqued here and there where the earth turned in its sleep. Flow lessened to an arm numb beneath heavy head. It burned so purely it was only heat, essence of core without flame. A glimmer of smoke. Its danger, like so much else about it, barely tangible. Also named anthrax, animate carbon, though Pliny would recognize it as a virulent ulcer, disease brought to the surface. What we mean when we say one thing, warmth, or a living, an excavation, and then do another, the work of it. The breathing black, harder to come by, the whiteness it is all reduced to, weightless and fine, deathly inert."
0: Got to get you some snaps. It's been three years. That's Michael McLean, poet, essayist, editor, back in Salt Lake for a visit. He's spent the last three years in New Zealand on a PhD program, and that was an excerpt from Fume, winner of the Midwest Chapbook Contest. So why are you obsessed with this part of the country? What's your tie?
3: Um, pretty much all of my work over the last 10 years or so has dealt with one way or another with with environmental degradation up up until the New Zealand project, actually. Um, But uh, it it was a place um, I'd been writing about it for seven or eight years before I was ever even able to visit. Um, It was just that idea of uh, just a fire that's never able to be put out, that kind of endless degradation this town has been submitted, you know, kind of uh, subjected to. Um, And their their kind of endless fight against both local, state, and federal officials is just something that really became an obsession for me. And um, actually, some when I went to visit some friends in D.C., you know, this shows my my geographical knowledge of of the East Coast. Like, I went to visit some friends in Washington D.C. and they said we've got a surprise for you. We're going to take you up to Centralia. I was like, I had no idea we were that close. You know, we were about two hours away. And so they took me up there for the day and it was just absolutely fascinating, Um, haunting and fascinating. And, um, you know, at that point in time, this was five years ago now, there were still people living there. Um, Wow, living there. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, and you've been out of the country, but in October, as reported by the Salt Lake Tribune, the more than a third of Utah power at risk because of a coal fire, the Leela Canyon mine underground. And so this is not unusual.
3: No, no. This is um, this is something we see in... I, there are little centralias all over the country and all over the world. Um, so, yeah, de- definitely something that repeats itself pretty much anywhere that coal mining is taking place.
0: So how's the poetry scene in New Zealand?
3: Um, it's different. <laughs> it is... Um, I don't I don't know the right adjective for that. It it's definitely like it um the the it's taken some getting used to because unlike some other kind of um American cultural influences that that take place in New Zealand publishing and literature is very much it's more influenced by the UK and Australia. Um the kind of publishing traditions there and the 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 literary scenes there are um really kind of come out of those traditions. And so it's it's been not a huge adjustment, but definitely an adjustment. Um, mm-hmm. Just kind of because I know you know it's it, it's kind of hard to escape studying American influences within you know the, the universities and things that I've attended here in the states. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, yeah, it's definitely it, it's been different, but it's been a fascinating experience, um, particularly with um, the uh, the Maori and Pacifica communities down there who have their own. Traditions that have kind of been blended with slam and other scenes—that's um, been fascinating to learn more about as well.
0: Well, you now have this restaurant business as well. I'm guessing that's good fodder for some some new projects.
3: It is um, that it makes an appearance in in the work that's being done in the PhD program, definitely um, it, in weird ways. Uh, but it's uh, that that's been another thing that's been. You really get to know people when you work in their hospitality industry. You mm-hmm. get to you get to see the You're best and the people worst food, of them. Right? You're serving <laughs> them a drink. You're getting off. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and it it is very different from U.S. hospitality in many ways. How um, well? so? <sighs> I, I one of these days I'm going to write a book about this first year of of having a restaurant, uh, being an expat, and having a restaurant in New Zealand. Um, <laughs> it There's, like there's a lot stories, of stories, yeah? but it's. Um, you know, one of the things people that Americans that go over there point to the f- most is is the lack of tipping culture, mm. which you know if you're in hospitality here in the U.S. you're it's dependent tipping, on that. Yeah. Um over there it's it's not really part of the culture. It's becoming a little bit more so in some ways, but um, so there is less of an incentive, I guess I'd say, mm. um, from from both the the server's end and from to the customers. To provide service
0: because there's not a tipping to ensure proper service? Yes. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, and that's not always the case, um, but it, it is that is something that I, I noticed off the bat, and also from the customer's end, too. Oh, wow. um, they know that you're getting paid what is ostensibly a living wage, yeah. and so they feel a little bit more free to to handle you less lightly, let's put it that way. <laughs> Interesting, bringing
0: some American culture to that that business. I'm excited to see how it pops up in your poetry. Well, I'm so glad that you made time for Radioactive. And for folks that uh, may go, who's this Michael McClain? Because it's been three years. Just search his name on Radioactive, on krcl.org, and you'll find all the poetry work. You were so instrumental to the poetry community here. Are you bringing some poetry to the restaurant?
3: Um, we haven't yet, but there is – so one of the things that um, our hometown out there, Featherston, is is best known for is it's actually ha- it has the, the book town designation, which is um, through uh, UNESCO, I believe. Okay. What does that mean? And so basically it is – the this is a designation given to towns that are a particular um, concentration of literary activity or bookshops. Oh, wow. Um, this is a town of roughly 2,000 people. Um, it has – I think, nine bookstores now? Eight Mm -hmm. or nine? Mm -hmm. Um, And so Booktown is is not just um, tied to these shops, but it also is tied to a big slate of events that happen every year out in the area that bring in writers from all over um, New Zealand, El Terro, and all over the world. Um, So it's... Uh, That that is something that we're hoping to tap into a little bit more and and maybe kind of get on their their slate of events. And um, certainly with um, the people that I work with at the university and my cohort, um, I would love to be able to feature the kind of work that they're doing. Um, We have a, a great little... Kind of back dining room. That's a perfect event space. So it's certainly something that we hope to do more of.
0: What's the restaurant name and your wife's name? We got to shout her out. So if folks are planning a trip or find themselves in Featherstone, they know they got a they got a Utah to look up.
3: It's Tonic Bar and Bistro, and uh, my, my wife's name is September Erickson. She's the chef. Um, she's doing all the hard work that that uh, doesn't get get noticed up front. So all
0: right. Uh, well, let's get one more from Fume sure. by Michael McLean. And also to let folks know, you are actually doing a couple of readings while you're here.
3: I am. Um, I'll be down in uh, Cedar City um, tomorrow, uh, which is Tuesday the 6th, uh, at um, Artisans Gallery. Um, thanks to, to friends at Sugar House Review, they're bringing me down there. Uh, and then I'll be at City Art, the City Art Reading Series on the 7th um, at the Salt Lake Public Library um, at 7, at 7 p.m.
0: All right, we'll put those in the show notes. What do we got
3: here coming out of you? Oh, uh, let's Michael see. Michael McLean? Let me find something here. So um, I became really interested in the, the uh, um, symptoms of hypothermia as kind of a contrast to the town itself being on fire for so long. Um, so there's a, there's a couple of, of pieces in the book that, that deal with these, these symptoms as a contrast to, to the burning
0: And again, Centralia in
3: Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yes. Yeah. Not to be confused with Centralia, Washington. There's a few of them around around the country, and the Washington one's probably better known. But um, so, yeah, Centralia, Pennsylvania. Uh, This is Terminal Burrowing. We are autonomous, more so at the end. The brainstem begs the animal for sleep. And we dig towards hibernation, though the sound of fingernails peeling back in permafrost sickens the part of us that knows a mistake when we see one. You've seen them all, all the coal mine is a trap with picnic tables and only the bathrooms and the only bathrooms for miles, though the name of the town, Ashland, is funny as we'd looked for fire but found only its husk and precipitate narrow-gauge railroad, a pornography of which we are nearly connoisseurs. Of the life-size dioramas at the track's end, all these miners beneath flammable headgear and the sparks of recreated tools flash on walls during luring us lightning bugs or glowworms, radiation the earth's ephemera, recast low watt LEDs, against which our eyes adjust, and somewhere between the nose and the amygdala, we know that we are home in the dirt, and the only way out is down. Friction warming the ways, blood red on the fingertips, even when freezing death finds us tempered houses, we are mammalian winter nesting beneath the beds, or the chest of drawers we pull ourselves close to floor, carpet peeling off in clumps. And hold it close to primordial curl into the way the trek, under such weight, can only bend a little at a time. Though the pioneer mine, the names make us uneasy to think they thought it best to bring all the heat to the surface instead of burrow and rest and all but disappear.
0: Michael McLean, thank you so much. It's good to see you, my friend.
3: Good to see you, too. Thank you.
0: Centralia still burning, Rishon. It's crazy. We covered a lot of ground in tonight's show. Yeah,
1: we did. We always do. We make it happen.
0: So Black Bold and Brilliant, the final edition of the year. Mm-hmm. The Black Food Edition. So it's going to be just delectable, right? I right i know I'm like, where's the where's the food truck tonight? <laughs> truck uh, tonight next Wednesday. Yep. next
1: Wednesday Yep. We go on
0: at 7.30. 7.30 of a little bit of a little bit of they would like a RSVP, but it is no ticket necessary. And then next week, what are you doing on the show?
1: Next week, uh, we got Talia on for Music Meets Activism. Uh, and just, you know, any chance I could give the people I care about their roses while they could still appreciate them, I'm all for that.
0: So that is Roundtable Tuesday with Sean Leak. Next Tuesday here on Radioactive. Thanks, Sean. Thank you, Laura. South Pole Salem.
1: <laughs> Holla! KRCL Salt Lake City. Looking to upgrade your vehicle soon? Consider donating your car to KRCL. Our vehicle donation partner will give you a tow and a tax receipt and cut KRCL a check. Find details about donating your car
5: to KRCL at the support tab at krcl.org.